Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Uh, it is the first Sunday of the month where we generally take our first fruits offering, and, and we would have done that now, but I'm going to take it towards the tail end of the message here today um, because I feel like God's got some things that we just are beginning to lay out vision-wise so if this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Jay Miller, and I'm the senior leader here at Legacy, and we've got intention and purpose. There's a bunch of you. I've been seeing you for a while. You've been coming, our, our current members, and then people that have been coming to visit in the last, you know, five to six months, and we're really glad to have you. And uh, a lot of times, churches will wait, uh, or they'll do like a vision Sunday, like the first weekend of January, but like nobody's in vision weekend. Like they're coming out of Christmas, there's New Year's, it's never that mindset, and so what we want to be able to do is really wait to really April where we can begin to share with you, hey, here's what the Lord is saying, here's what He's doing. Uh, we've been able to really, these last couple months, especially since what He was doing in the course of worship, and, uh, and worship was amazing this morning, was it not? And uh, we're, we've experienced a few times where God just took over the entirety of the worship, and we, there was no message, the, the worship was the message, right? And, and the Lord's going to continue to do those things, but we feel like we really need to bring you some clarity on where are we at and what some of these next steps to do. Rather than doing a vision Sunday and like we pour everything into one weekend, what we're going to take is the next six to eight weeks at various places, begin to share some things with you, what the Lord's doing, because we're in the place of processing uh, unfolding vision. And, and we'll talk about in a second. One of those is our building. We've got some information we'll share with you. Um, there's the things with the Love New Braunfels, the intentionality of what we're trying to do to reach out. And I just want you to think about Cyclovilia only as an extension of Love New Braunfels. What's going to be awesome is, is probably many of the people that will be participating in Cyclovilia maybe saw us on Saturday during Love New Braunfels. And so when you go and you go to pray for them, we might get some testimonies. Or if seeds were planted on Saturday, and then all of a sudden Sunday, somebody's coming back by again, and, and they're ready to receive the Lord and be able to pray for them. And so it's going to be a good opportunity for us to actually demonstrate the love of Jesus uh, in the flesh. And, uh, and we, can't re- we can't forget the fact that it's supposed to be a physical demonstration of the goodness of God, not just a spiritual demonstration, because that's why the Word became flesh, to actually demonstrate the truth and reality of heaven. And uh, so we really believe that we're doing some things like that. But Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 3, has been a, a big verse for us for a number of years. And, and it's just, it's coming back around. It's been something we've been stewarding. That's why I said that first, I think it's in First Peter or Second Peter, where, uh, where it says, the Lord is not slow as some consider him slow. Like, why is he not coming back yet? We're waiting for the second coming of Jesus. And he's like, because the Lord does not wish that any should perish, but all should come to eternal life. And so what it shows up like on our time frame, because in our generation, we have this anticipation, this expectation that's actually no different than the first century church. The first century church, Jesus says, hey, I'll be back. And they thought he was going to, that meant I'm going to the corner store, I'm going to build you a house and I'll be right back. And 2,000 years later, we're still waiting for him to come back. What was it? Go about what the mission of Jesus is. What is he's empowered you to do? He's waiting for the world to hear the fullness of the gospel. He's waiting for the fullness of the gospel to be demonstrated. This isn't just Jesus who was a good guy who came to love on people. This is the king of the universe who made himself flesh so that he could actually redeem us. So that when we surrender the fullness of our life to him, we actually get the fullness of his life in exchange. And he's the answer to every problem we have in today's society. 
He's the answer to the problems of, of uh, suicide. He's the, pro- the answer to the problems of where people are going to place of depression or fear or doubt or economic instability or governmental instability. Like there's so much of this mindset where the church has been taught to look for the Antichrist instead of actually being the Christ. <laughs> Who's the body and what body are you of? Christ. You are the body of Christ, and the head, Jesus, is looking for his physical body to make a tangible impact where it transforms the world. And so when we get in the circle, oh, is, is this person in Christ, or is, is Jesus coming back? Is the tribulation starting? Our eyes and our focus are on the wrong daggum thing. Our focus needs to be the fact that Jesus is king. He's seated on the right hand of the uh, throne with the Father, and he's actually going to come back as a conquering king. I had one of my brothers who's up in New York State was sharing a testimony a couple weeks ago. I'm on a bi-weekly Zoom with a group of guys across the nation. And uh, he was talking about this encounter he had with Jesus. And in that encounter, the Lord says, what was funny about the first time I came is the people of Israel were looking for a conquering king, and I was a suffering servant. Now, 2,000 years later, the church is looking for a suffering servant, and I'm actually coming back as a conquering king. Whatever you have the expectation of Jesus, whatever you behold, you'll actually manifest. So it's time for a manifestation of the fullness of who Jesus is, the resurrected one, who is the king who's seated at the right hand of the Father. We are not to be the image of the suffering Christ. Only one had to suffer, and he suffered for all. He suffered for a purpose, and he suffered for a a, a period of time so that for the rest of time and eternity, we are actually the image of the resurrected king. That's who you're born again into. That's why surrender, the fear of the Lord, the awe and the wonder of who he is, is so important because you have to understand not just who you're in relationship with, but who you're the image of. And so what are we as a church, what are we stepping into? We're stepping in this place of the display of that. And I believe that he's coming around the corner. I believe that with all my heart. Everything I see in society and everything that's going on, there's a, there's a tension in my heart that says he's right around the corner. And yet there's a responsibility I have in my heart as a leader in the kingdom to say, and I have to establish an inheritance for a thousand generations because he may not come back for a thousand generations. And we have to be okay with that. That's why the writer of Hebrews talks about this. The, the saints of the old long to see the things that you see. They long to experience. And he was talking to the first century church, those who had been born again, who had seen the resurrected Christ, who had the full redemption in their hands. He says these Old Testament saints, they long to see that, but they did not have a jealousy. They're, they would not be looking on you and going, man, why didn't we get it and y'all got it instead of us? They lived with this understanding saying, I'm going to live with the fullness of the revelation of the Lord right here and right now, and I'm going to be intentional to steward that revelation so that I can pass it on to another generation so that when Christ does come, they're ready. See, the world needs the expression of the real Jesus. And I believe that we're going to see it. So even if he doesn't come back for a thousand generations, our world will see a manifestation of who he is now. So that the world, remember, he's not slow as some consider slowness. Because what's the intention of his heart? He doesn't want anyone to perish. 
but all to come into your eternal life. So the reason he's pausing is there's an expression of his heart that still has been yet demonstrated on the earth so that none should perish. Now, there's this idea going around in some church circles called universalism. Let me hear you say universalism. And, and that thought is it's, it's not a new thing. It's an old thing repackaged. But, well, everybody's going to get to heaven. No, they're not. Everybody has the opportunity to get to heaven. But not everybody's going to get to heaven. Why? Because every person has to choose for themselves to surrender to the lordship of Jesus and experience life transformation. To where it's not a better version of you, it's actually the fullness of him that's living in and through you. So it's a surrender to what he's doing. And so the Lord is waiting for those who are ready to accept him to get the opportunity. What is love New Braunfels? Let's go give them the opportunity to receive him. Why do we tell you go pray for people in the, in the parking lot at HEB? Because somebody needs to know Jesus. Somebody needs to experience the fullness of who he is. Why do you want to pray with your family at home? Because they need to know the fullness of Jesus in your home. There's these stories that from the, uh, well, it goes even back to the first and second Great Awakening, Azusa Street, the Welsh Revival. There are these stories of the fire brigade being called because people literally saw homes on fire. Like they saw burning flames. Kind of reminds me of Pentecost. Flames of fire came on the people. They were on fire. Everybody's like, what in the world is going on? And people, the fire brigade would show up, and they're like, there's no actual fire here. It's because people were burning with the love of the Lord. They were being radically saved. They were being radically set free. They were being radically discipled into sonship. This is is our heritage. This is our family. This is what we carry in this house. And this is what we're called to bring to our city. But it first begins in your individual home. Imagine this, imagine a city that's so um, lit up with the people burning homes who are in worship and study the Lord, and, and they're just they're like, what we just did in worship here, all of a sudden it shows up in your home, and your neighbors are going, oh my gosh, there, there's something's on fire, knocking on the door, are y'all okay? I see flames on your house. See, that's just Jesus, we just love him, do you need him? Could you imagine that? Can you believe that? What he's done once, he'll do again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I can't remember if it was Peter or it was Paul. It might have been John. I'm getting them all mixed up right now. But he says, we're not just telling you fancy stories that we made up. We we saw with our eyes the resurrected Christ. We touched with our hands the holes in his hands and the hole in his side. We saw him. We're just not making up fantasy. It's time for the world to experience that. So what Jesus' stories have you already had that you're called to say, I've seen it with my own eyes. Why? Because there's those out there who haven't seen and they need to see. They need to experience it. So let's look at Isaiah 54, 2 through 3 real quick. It says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare any expense, but lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. I'm going to read this again. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare anything. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants, let me hear you, descendants, 
will inherit the nations. Let me hear you say, inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabit. I just want to say this real quick. Jesus is not coming back for a beat up, bruised bride. He's not coming back for a bride that's, that's hiding in the back corner because the world's been ugly and mean to them. He's looking for the ones who can actually inherit the nations. Where there's desolation, that's our inheritance. Where there's been darkness, that's our inheritance. Why? Because we are lit up ones. We carry the fire. We carry the flame. We carry the life of God that takes desolation and it turns it into abundance. It turns disaster into abundance. This is the message of the gospel that we preach, and we have to be ready to be carriers of it, but we first must be experiencers of it. He wants to do this inside of your heart. So when you're talking about in place, enlarge the place of your tent, quite literally, as a church, we've bought new property, and we're in the process, I'll show you in a second, of the picture of the building that we're going to build. We're expanding our tents. We're expanding our tent pegs, but it first begins with you. Where do you, as a walking tent of revival, Jesus came into the temple in that last week, and what did he do? He got mad because he overturned the tables. He says, you've, I was looking for a house of prayer, but you've turned my father's house into a place of desolation, a place of greed, of all those different stuff. And he turns over the tables, and we go, man, he's going to come into the church, and he might want to do the same thing today. Well, before we cast stones at the church, how about we look at the church? What if he wanted to come into you, the tent of revival, the tent of awakening, and he wants to say this, what do I find within you so that I can expand it? What have you staked your life in? If it's not the kingdom, it's time to take up those stakes and get them into the kingdom. It's time to lengthen the cords. What is that? It's time for you to be stretched. It's time to believe like Jesus. Too much of our messages, we'll just believe in him. No, even the demons believe in him and they tremble. But they don't follow him because they don't believe like him. But what if the mind of Christ became your mind and suddenly you believe like Jesus and all of a sudden the stretching of you opens up the place where the people in your neighborhood, now they're being covered by you. Like, I just need to get them to church. Yes, you do. You're the church. Expand your tent pegs of your home into your neighborhood, and guess what happens? Now they're covered by the church. What about your business? What about your school? What about government? What about arts and entertainment? What is the chosen? Dallas Jenkins and those guys have done an amazing job. Uh, uh, Calvary Chapel that just did the, uh, the Jesus Revelation movie. I mean, they expanded the tent pegs to actually overtake the, the mountain of media and the, and, or of arts and entertainment, and the media's gone. We can't understand it. We thought they were going to make maybe $4 million, and now it's in the tens of millions of dollars. Why is that? Because they actually understood this principle of it's time to enlarge and inherit the nations. It's time to go to the place where Hollywood's been desolate. It's time for us to actually go to that place and bring life to desolation. You hear what I'm saying? Why is it important to vote? Why is it important to run for office? Because government is desolate. I don't care what party you're part of. It's not a political solution. It's a kingdom solution of transformation. But you have to know it here. So we're looking to expand to the right and to the left. Why? So our descendants can inherit the nations. We sit here now because a group of men and women in the first century, gave up everything to follow Jesus. You're their descendants. I'm their descendants. 
We sit here today because Abraham decided to leave what he understood and actually went to the place that God called him to be. And we're called children of Abraham because he was a father of faith. He just took at face value that God was good and he said to do something. I don't need to know how. I don't need to understand it. I'm just going. I'm expanding my tent. I'm expanding my place of influence. I'm going to walk in obedience. You're the descendants. And what I'm telling you is right now, it's time to live out the last part of that. And you make the desolate cities inhabited. What have we inherited from Jesus that would allow us to inhabit the desolate cities and rebuild it and bring hope? I just want to give you some context of where we live in the United States. If you've been in this place, maybe you moved from California, another part of the nation, you, you, you came into something that God is doing. Um, we don't live in a town of 5,000 or 25,000 or even 50,000 anymore. Uh, I was looking at the population in 2010 of the city of New Braunfels was 57,000 people. You know what we're at now? Over 100. 13 years, we've over doubled. What's God doing? We live in a place of influence. So New Braunfels' current population is over 100,000. Get this, the San Antonio metro area is 2.454 million people. Austin Metro, we talk about this quarter, this region from San Antonio to Austin, is 2.228 million people. That's an estimated 4.682 million people within our corridor. This is our corridor. This is the King's Corridor. This is what we've been called to do. It's expected to grow to 6 to 7 million by 2030. It's only seven years. I propose to you that the estimates I saw, because I've been looking at this for over 10 years about what's the population growth, we blew past their estimation of their wildest dreams of how we would grow. And so if it's in seven years, they're expecting six to seven, I think it's going to be more. What is this telling us? The Lord is bringing people to us to minister to. He's bringing people here who need the kingdom message. Over the next 25 years, here's the expected increases. Comal County will increase by 74%. Hayes County by 105%, and Guadalupe County by 47%. Those are staggering numbers. We don't have to go very far. By 2045, it's expected that 53% of the population will live within five miles of I-35. 20 years. 53% of the population in this corridor that's already huge, that's only going to continue to grow, will live within five miles of I-35. So this is the reason I tell you this. We've been given a vision for the corridor, for this region. We're called to be an ecclesia that's actually the main an impact in our, our city, in our region beyond. And the Lord is bringing people in, which means we have to have a refocus on what we're doing. We need to be able to, Habakkuk talks about, cast the vision, basically. Write it down on tablets so it's easy to run with. What are the tablets of today, the tablet of your heart? You might write something down. You might do it, but it's the point of it is to be able to get it into here so you become the message. So I got four basic words that will sum up our vision statement. First one is this. It's focus. Let me hear you say focus. Second one is this. Pursue. Let me hear you say pursue. Third one, live. Let me hear you say live. And finally, bring. We're called to focus, pursue, live, and bring. What is that? We are kingdom focused. The thing that we focus on the most is the rule and the reign of the Lord. If it's not kingdom, we're called to cast it aside. We're in pursuit of his rule, 
his reign. Everything we'll do is going to be done by his leading to build his glory. And I know there's lots of churches that use kingdom language, and it really is just Christianese. If we could just be real honest here. We're not talking about Christianese kingdom. I don't want that. I have nothing to do. That's religion. What I'm looking for is if hell hail King Jesus, how does he want to take over the city of New Braunfels? How does he want to take over your marriage, your children? How does he want to come in and move? We're kingdom focused in everything we do. Matthew 6.33 has been the central point of, of my life message, which is seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Seek first the rule and the reign of the Lord. Personal relationship. Everything that you do running through the lens of Jesus as your king, as your Lord. The second part is pursue. Pursue personal transformation. Let me hear you say, pursue personal transformation. Say it again. Pursue my personal transformation. You can't give away what you don't have, but you will give away what you do have. And you don't need to give away what you were given by the devil and the world. You don't need what you were given to by imperfect humans. You need personal transformation. Not change, transformation. I can change in and out of a shirt. Transformation, this Greek word is metanoia. It's the one that literally means like metamorphosis. Be, re, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, repentance. I've been transformed into a new way of thinking that actually brings about transformation throughout my life. A caterpillar comes into a cocoon and becomes a butterfly. The butterfly cannot become a caterpillar. It's impossible. Scientifically, it's impossible. So whenever you come into Christ and the old you dies and the new you is resurrected, all of a sudden you have this capacity, but it comes with a caveat. You know what the caveat is? He makes everything available to you, but you have to surrender and receive it. You have to rest in the completed work of Christ. It means that for the entirety of your life, you were wired to think a certain way. One of our good friends, Bob Hamp, says it this way. It's a lot like somebody who experiences phantom pains after they've actually had a level of amputation. And what is it? For, I'll just use my arm as an example. For X amount of years, let's say I had it amputated here. My nervous system was programmed to say, this is a nerve middle, not a nerve ending. I lose the arm. Now all of a sudden, what was a nerve middle has now become a nerve ending. But my nervous system doesn't understand it. My nervous system has been programmed to think there's something beyond this. There's still an arm out here. And what do you have to do when you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? What are you doing? The old has been cut off, the new has come, and you're actually transformed to come into the reality of who you are. Your old sinner self is dead. But guess what you experience? Phantom pains of the dead person. I would just propose to you there's a reason that uh, the enemy uses zombies and vampires and the undead and all that darkness is because it's a counterfeit of what happened to your old self. He wants you to resurrect the old nature. And all of a sudden you come into an agreement with a lie that says, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and one day I'll get to heaven, and I'll get my new body, my new self, and I'll be a saint. That's not the gospel. You are a brand new creation. I was a sinner that experienced the cross of Christ, and now I'm resurrected into a sainthood. I'm a brand new creation. What am I doing in personal transformation? I'm bringing my mindset, my whole experience into alignment with what Jesus has already done in me. Can you still choose to sin? Yes, Adam and Eve were created perfectly. Perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with each other, and they believed the lie. 
And they traded in the truth of God for the lie of the enemy. And all of a sudden, they were separated away from him. They could choose the sin. So why would that be any different for a born-again believer? I always say this, before you're born again, there's, there's a reason for it. You don't know what it is to be alive. Of course you're going to sin. Of course you're going to be sin because you're a sinner. But when you come into the kingdom and you're born again, you no longer have the excuse. You don't lose your ability to be stupid. Can we be real here? Would it be stupid to throw Jesus away? But how many times have we done it? That's why we need grace. That's why we need mercy. That's why we need this repentance. This is why we need personal transformation. What helps you do that? My focus is on the king and his kingdom, and as I behold him, I become him. I experience personal transformation. It's time to stop living according to an old you, an old experience. You don't know what happened to me when I was five years old, but God does. You can't undo what happened then. It's time to come to the place and forgive those that did that to you and forgive yourself. It's time to accept the fact that you can't change, that that happened to you, and it's time to surrender your ability to bring any transformation to it. You can't do it. But it's time to get into this place and say, but I met Jesus. So what that happened? Jesus, here and now, has redeemed me. Even the thing of the past. I don't have to go redo the past. I get to live in a present and a future reality that says, but I've been brand new, born again, the old is past, the new has come. The healing has come to my five-year-old self because it's encountered Jesus now. This is personal transformation. The third one would be this. We have to live as kingdom family. We always say, it's, the church is not an organization. We can organize, and we should have rules and capacity to organize. I mean, that's just any, any large group of people is going to have a level. I'm sure your family and your household has a list of chores and rules and the way you operate. That's normal, but we're not an organization. We are a family. What makes you unique is not the fact that you have rules. It's the fact that you have a family. You have a commonality together. And so what is actually going to bring transformation, it's a kingdom family who is diverse, who sometimes gets mad at each other, sometimes gets out of alignment with each other. But we realize, no, wait, we are a kingdom family. And Jesus says, the world will know me. By the way, they see you love one another. The love demonstrated in kingdom family, we think we have to love the world. And that's true. I demonstrate love to lost people all the time. But what is the greatest sign? The way we love each other. Because all of a sudden, we become the contrast to what they experience in family. I think the world looks at churches sometimes and they see the the, 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 the competition, the, the, the casting shadows at each other, shooting at each other, and they're like, why would I ever want to be a part of that? I already had that family. I don't need that. Why is your Jesus any better than what I've already got? And you could take the goodness of God and you could relegate it to the fact that we don't love each other. And people are like, I want nothing to do with that. But when we become kingdom family, what do we do? We encourage each other. We build each other up. We actually fight for each other, not against one another. We're not afraid of confrontation. Not conflict, confrontation. Paul said it, your battle's not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the dark rulers of the unseen realm. My neighbor is not my enemy. But what do I have to do sometimes? I need to confront the very thing that's creating distance between me and them. 
If I've got an offense, I deal with it. I, I, I come and I say, there's this offense between us, and we're, we're called to be in walking relationship with one another. I need to come and reconcile with you so that we can move forward in whole family. And the world's going to be like, I can't believe it. How could you forgive that person when they did this? Because of Jesus. How could you still love them? Because of the love of Jesus. It's supposed to be a living demonstration. Here's what family does as well. It's got fathers and mothers who raise sons and daughters to become fathers and mothers. Family is important. When you go into an organization, the CEO model is not necessarily looking to father those underneath them. He's just looking to rule those underneath them. And in a corporate structure, that's supposed to be the way it is. In an army or military structure, that's the way it's supposed to be. But in the kingdom, it's different. I'm not afraid of raising somebody up that will replace me. Because as a father, I'm looking to the next generation. Who's supposed to step in this pulpit? Who's supposed to be in the, have a voice in our region? Fathers who raise sons and daughters, who become fathers and mothers themselves. And this is the next step. So all of a sudden, together, we're recognizing, is, is actually what I, um, Jacob should have understood about Joseph. It's actually what uh, Joseph's brothers should have understood about Joseph. He was a snot-nosed arrogant little teenager. I'm not saying all teenagers are. I'm just saying he was. How do we know this? Hey, guys, I had this dream, and you're bowing down. We think it was some holy moment. I had a vision, and in this vision, y'all were ba- I'm not saying y'all are going to have to bow down, but in the vision, you're ba- he didn't, he, no, hey, guys, in this vision, <laughs> y'all think y'all are older than me? No, you're bowing down before me. That's exactly, how do we know this? They got hacked off at him and, and tr- tried to kill him, throw him into slavery. That didn't happen just because they were bad guys. But Jacob was in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was supposed to be a father of promise. He carried the inheritance of kingdom family. And so because he operated like an orphan in his own mindset, he allowed his sons to have competition. He allowed his sons to not ever deal with each other from a position of love, but he allowed this favoritism to flow through. And then Joseph comes along, and of course he was his favorite. And in that place, whenever Joseph comes up and has his dream, of course it led orphanhood will always eat their own. It will always push out of the nest, and it will always try to kill or put you into slavery somewhere else. And so, of course, the plan for Joseph, according to God, had to change according to the heart of Jacob and his brothers. But imagine this, what if in kingdom family, Jacob would have said, son, you've got a great purpose, you've got great abilities, and I acknowledge your destiny is greater than my destiny. And it's probably even greater, the capacity you have for leadership, Joseph, it's probably even greater than your brothers. But it's time to learn humility. It's time to learn up in love what it looks like. Imagine if his brothers had looked at Joseph and instead of being jealous about Joseph, they would have said, man, this kid's got something. They would have understood kingdom family. They would have said this, we have a role to play in our brother. We're not jealous of our brother. We're not fighting for our father's affections. We already have it. Man, Joseph, you're going to be amazing one day. Let me come alongside you and teach you as a brother what it looks like. Iron sharpening iron. So this Joseph grew up and right on time, Pharaoh had the dream. And he turns to his magicians and his occultists. He's like, can anybody interpret this? No. We can't interpret what this dream means. But we've heard of a family, the family of Jacob, who has a son named Joseph, who's got such a renown of wisdom in the interpretation of dreams. We probably ought to send for him. And here's what would happen. 
Joseph would have come to Egypt, not as a slave, but as an emissary of the kingdom of heaven because he grew up in kingdom family. This is how important kingdom family is to me. We will not see the fulfillment of the gospel of Jesus until we can see each other through those lens and those eyes, through that heart. No competition. If somebody else is succeeding and you're not, it's not at your expense. That's orphan, orphan, orphan thinking. We need to disciple into sonship. And ladies, you understand in this house, we've taught it for a long time, that's a gender-neutral term. Sonship means sons and daughters. And finally, we're to bring regional transformation. So we focus. We are focused on the kingdom. We pursue personal transformation. We live in kingdom family together, and we as a family bring regional transformation. We are the answer to our society's problems. We as a kingdom family are called to bring regional transformation. It's more than just the transformation I've received. It now moves into maybe one of you is supposed to be in the political mountain or somebody else is supposed to write or somebody is supposed to go to Hollywood or maybe somebody else you're teaching. All these areas of influence were called to bring regional transformation because you've learned what it is to live as a kingdom family. You've experienced personal transformation because you've been focusing on the king and his kingdom. And as you behold him, you become him. And the ministry and the message of Jesus becomes your life story. We're not just going to have a bunch of different life stories. Every one of us say, here's my Jesus life story. It's bringing the message and the ministry of Jesus everywhere I go. So let me hear you say, focus on the kingdom. Let me hear you say, pursue personal transformation. Let me hear you say, live as a kingdom family. And let me hear you say, we bring regional transformation. For some of you, regional transformation is your neighborhood. For some of you, it's going to be Uganda or Washington, D.C. The point is this. We as a body bring regional transformation, which is the whole point we build a kingdom resource center to train and equip leaders in our region to be able to bring kingdom transformation everywhere we go. So what's the ingredients look like that? How are we going to know that's taking place? Here's going to be the fruit of it. People are going to be saved. People are going to be healed. There's going to be physical healing. There's going to be mental and emotional healing. There's going to be restoration of relationships. There's going to be freedom. People are going to be so set free. Maybe it's going to be from demonic oppression. Maybe it's going to be from addiction. Or maybe it's going to be for an orphan mindset. But people are going to be set free to become fully who Jesus made them to be. If Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. What does that look like? What does that mean? You're going to be set into freedom. You're going to be discipled as a son or a daughter. You're going to be discipled into sonship. People are going to be equipped for ministry, but also life. People are going to be empowered. Here's what happens in kingdom family. Sons and daughters are sent. They don't go. The prodigal son story, the son went. He, he, he just picked up, said, I want my inheritance, I'm out of here. He was not sent. And there's too many in the body of Christ that have just, well, I've got a kingdom idea. Leadership doesn't understand me. I'm just going to go do what I want to do. I've sent myself. No, you didn't. You just went. But in healthy kingdom family, you're sent. You're sent with cover. You're sent with resources. You're sent with people who are going to hear your heart, call you into accountability. But greater than that, be your champion. I love we're sending a son and daughter to Spain. I'm just championing them right now. 
because I believe they're going to do greater things than I have. Right? And what's the result? So saved, healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and finally, we're serving the world. If anyone wants to first be your leader, they first have to what? See, Jesus is, was the divine servant, the suffering servant. But we are called to be serving kings. We've got conquered death. We conquered the enemy through Jesus. But we're still called to serve, serve our community, serve one another. In that place of service, it will become such a demonstration that the world's going to go like, I don't get it. I've been rude. I've been mean. We've cursed them out. We even tried to arrest them. And yet they refuse to curse us. That's what's happening in China. That's what's happening in Iran. There's people that the church is growing at a rapid rate in an oppressive system, and yet there's demonstration of love that's actually radically changing both those nations, even if you don't see it on the physical surface yet. There's transformation taking place. We need to be able to press into that. I think I'm going to wrap this up here. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. In order to expand our tent, you have to know where you're at in your transformation process. Maybe you need to come alongside someone else who can pour into you and you walk through that transformation process. Or if you've gone through the personal transformation process, it's time to actually be deployed and walk somebody else through that. We know God's releasing things. There's going to be a, a great soul of harvest, a harvest of souls, billing people. Well, great. Who's going to disciple them? We have to be ready for that. And so right now, I'll just tell you what we're going to do very practically over these next six weeks. We're in the process of, I'm taking my kingdom foundations, which we've used a lot since 2016 to be the foundation of our ministry and discipleship here. And I'm actually re-recording it into a new believer, a fresh start program that'll be seven to 10 minutes long. So that, because a lot of times here's what's happening. We have some amazing evangelists in this room who've already led people to the Lord and they're already discipling. They're going, What's more resources? What do I have? And a lot of it's tied into books, which the problem with that is that the books depend on the person to be able to read and comprehend. Or the busyness of life, sometimes I mean, you can read and comprehend. I just don't have time to read a book. But how many people are on their phone looking at, at uh, Instagram and YouTube shorts and TikTok and whatever else is out there? If you go to a seven to 10 minute format, it's what these things are going to be. Then you as a discipler can go around, sit down with them at a coffee shop, pull it on your phone, Walk them through it, and then you're going to have discussion questions to be able to walk them through. And it's going to establish the very first thing we talked about, kingdom-focused. What does that mean? How do you understand what the kingdom is? How do you understand how to have a kingdom mindset, kingdom identity? It's going to walk you through that. At the same time, the second part of that is people need personal transformation of healing. And so Kelly, uh, several years ago, wrote uh, something called Baseline, and we've taken large groups of people through it. Now we're rewriting it to make them into micro-sessions so that we can do the same thing right now. The Lord is breathing on something that we can get into the hands of people that's free resources, by the way, right, that you can actually sit down and how do I walk somebody into freedom? How do I even walk them through maybe a level of deliverance? It's going to have these sessions where you can sit with them, you can watch it, you can pray with them, and we're going to do training for it so that we have the tools in the hands of people who are going to be harvesting and discipling. What I hope for is this. Everyone in this room utilizes those resources. Right? The fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
They're not the ones to be doing the primary ministry in their office. Their primary responsibility is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to help the body of Christ grow up into a mature body in measure, in proportion to the headship, which is Jesus. And so this thing will continue. The verse in, in Ephesians 4 says, this will continue until the body's fully mature. It looks like Jesus. Well, I don't know if you looked around lately, not just in here. You guys look beautiful, right? But the body of Christ does not look like Jesus yet. So we're in the this will continue until moment, okay? So we want to get things in your hands. Imagine this. Imagine in your home, you're taking your kids through this, right? You're taking yourself through it. Do you understand if we had a common language about the kingdom and all of a sudden you got 150 to 180 people who know how to disciple others into the kingdom, guess what? We will multiply, and I'm not, I'm not talking about building a big church. I'm talking about building big people who are able to harvest the field. Maybe that means people come to church here. Maybe it doesn't. That's not the goal is to get them into the church. It's to get them to become. And guess what the result is? They're going to need kingdom family. And if you become like kingdom family to you, we'll grow. I don't need a strategy like some growth strategy. I've already got it. Let's bring the kingdom and let's bring them Jesus. And allow them to walk into it. So with that said, let me show you something. Go ahead and give me that first one, Jacob. And go ahead and kill those lights real quick if you can. So we just had 2D up to this point. We finally got to the place where uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, our architect got the footprint down so we could turn it over to engineers. <coughs> the reason it was important to go the engineering process, it's the pre-development we have to know how the water is going to run off. We need civil engineering. We're waiting for our civil engineer to come back so we can, we can really tell. We put, put that much roof space and that much parking space. Where's the water going to run? How do we move it? Once we have that, then we can start taking next steps. So just so you know, we will be coming to you soon once we have some of those numbers where we're actually going to physically raise in cash the engineering process. It's all the fees and stuff like that. And it could be anywhere from $125,000 to $150,000. But that will allow us on that front end to be able to get what's necessary. Now, I'm just gonna, I, I was hesitant to throw a date out there, but I'm just going to say our, our prayer would be sometimes fall, late fall to uh, early next year to be able to break ground. In order to do that, here's where we're at right now. Okay? So I want you to be prepared that this is what's coming and we're going to be bringing you. Now, we've got all kinds of prophetic words where the Lord says, I'm going to provide for it. We believe once we go into this thing, the note is not going to be necessary. Because we have promises that are in alignment with that. But we'll invite you guys to partner with. In fact, I'll just tell you this. We already had somebody reach out this last week that's, that's already made a $30,000 gift. And so God's, God's doing things, okay? So uh, praise God for that. Go ahead and give me that next slide. So you can kind of get the side. On that background is a playground area. So on this end of the wing as it is designed is will be like the children's ministry on the first floor down here and then there's going to be a playground fenced in playground area that'll be perfect for that give me the other slide got monkey bars i have to check with our insurance <laughs> and then something that if you look around this has effectively been our lobby since 2009 we that hallway is not really a lobby guess what we're going to have a nice beautiful lobby for you to walk into Plenty of bathrooms, classrooms, and things like that. Uh, go ahead and give me the next slide. So it kind of gives you an elevation so you can see the scale of what we're talking to build. Uh, give you a second on that. Now give me the next one. 
So here's the property, just to kind of give you an idea. This side over here is going to be Morningside Drive. Directly across the street is Morningside Elementary School. So if you're facing up towards the property, um, you'll see on the left-hand side where that little kind of square is, is going to be our neighbor. It's the brother, the person that we bought it, bought the thing from. We're praying that over a period of time we'll probably be able to acquire that spot as well. But that whole front area is going to be parking, and you can kind of see the placement of where the, the church building will be. Then behind it, if you've been out there, there's a, there's a building that we're using as our uh, prayer uh, chapel. It's, we've got some groups that are meeting out there. Uh, we had a group that was rehearsing out there for, for about a month or so. And so that's already established up there. Um, we're looking at probably 235, 245 uh, parking spots that would suffice for it. So here's, here's the prayer. I'm just going to cast a little vision for you. On that very front end of the property, you see that little rectangle uh, is where we would like to put a coffee shop, like a full, full profit uh, coffee shop that will become a ministry center, but at the same time serve lots of great coffee. People will be able to come in and get prayed for. What we're waiting on right now is the engineering to tell us whether we can push the water to the side. If we can push the water to the side, we can utilize that front part to be able to do a coffee shop, and it really will be talk about a kingdom resource center of, of a different type, a gathering spot that's not the church, right? And, and if how many people like coffee, right? So think about this. Moms dropping their kids off at Morningside Elementary. They come right in. We got a drive-through. Um, there's no coffee shops on this side of town, which blows my mind that there's nothing there. And so it'll be a target-rich environment for us to bring the kingdom. We'll, we'll be training our people, our staff, to also be able to pray, encourage, build up people just like we do. Uh, we'll have prophetic art. We'll have worship music, the whole nine yards. Um, and then maybe we'll put a commercial kitchen so we can do some other type of things out there. So give me the next next slide. So it's hard to see all the details particular, but again, there's a sanctuary, about 533 seats to begin with. And then on this side over here is going to be children's ministry where we'll be actually able to close the hallway off the place of, of, of safety. Over here on this side, you'll see we've got 10 restrooms, ladies, or 10 uh, toilets for you guys. Uh, which would be a big deal. Um, guys, we were overruled. We got four. So, you know, we're working on that one. But it, it, it'll happen. Over here, we'll have, we'll have church offices and things like that. And then we have the future expansion component of it. Give me the next slide. So based off the prophetic words of Isabel and Thrown, which she started seeing second and third story type situation, we built a second story by faith uh, within this thing that will have future classrooms. And you'll see it also has mezzanines on each side seating. So we will have another 140 seats upstairs. So although we start 533 seats, by the time we're full capacity, it'll be about 840 seats uh, to be able to do it. Somebody says, well, are you expecting it to be that big? I, I don't know. I just know that I'm supposed to make space and expand my tent. And the Lord will fill it, right? Because we'll do conferences, we'll do concerts, we'll do all kinds of other things. So even if we were a couple hundred people, guess what? It's going to be utilized for kingdom purposes. We've got friends who come into the region all the time. We get, they're looking for large places. Where like I remember Randy Clark when he brought Global Awakening. He had to go to San Antonio to be able to find a facility that could facilitate what he wanted to do. And what they're looking for is 800 seats. So, okay, we can do that, right? So this is the starting point uh, where we're going to be able to uh, really release it. Now, here's the prayer, and here's what we want you to believe with us for. God's going to fully provide it, not in phases, but in one phase, right? So... The contractor that we're most likely going to use has got the plans now and is working up numbers, so we'll actually know what that is so we can begin to pray and believe for what the Lord's going to do. But start praying now. Start believing now, right? 
Start calling in the resources, and God's going to do it. Begin to share the vision. Imagine if this became a kingdom resource center that our city now has a place where, remember, by 2045, 53% of 6 to 7 million people will be living within five miles. We're right off of I-35. And for those who don't know, the price we got the land for was a God deal. We should have paid two to three times more than we paid for it, except for God. So how's he already provided? He's already provided probably a couple million dollars by us not paying more for this property than we, than we probably should have. That's God's hand of provision, right? So we know God's doing some big things. There's another practical thing that you can do, this right here. That's going to take two years, right, from start to finish, from now to then, all those different stuff. So we're still going to have to be able to utilize and, and maximize this space, right? So we may have to go to a second service at some point. I'm thinking by the time we come to the fall, we're probably going to be in a position where we'll have to add a second service. And we're, as an elder team, we're praying about what that looks like right now. We've been, we've been visionary. We've been strategizing. What's the Lord saying? How do we do that? We've been bringing our leadership team. We're going to be having those conversations of what it would look like. But we want you to, t- to tell you this to expect because what you have your hands on, I just want you to hear this. The message you have your hands on is gold. It is pure gold. It is the answer to the world's problem. And I'm not talking about the message of this church. I'm talking about the message of the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? We're supposed to facilitate the message of the kingdom being preached and demonstrated. And so I want to encourage you on that. So find ways. If you've been here for, you know, five, six months and you haven't found a place to volunteer, but you know this is your place that you're supposed to be. What I want to encourage you on is is that we have some needs to expand our ministry team. We need 15 to 20 people that would step into children's ministry and our guest services, uh, which is our connections team, the ones that greeted you in the parking lot or in the front door ushered, uh, where we need to expand that because we have a lot of people who are all hands on deck right now. And so the expansion of the tent pegs and the lengthening of the cord means you guys are actually going to lengthen with us. Right? And so if you've not found a place to serve yet, it's time to do that. We'll be having a, a, a date in May for our next new members class. But don't wait for that. Ask the Lord now, where am I supposed to jump into? And I would say is there's two areas right now. It's going to be children's ministry and our connections team. If we do that, we fully have our team staffed, and it's building up to the place where when we go to two services, we're ready to start taking that next step. Does that make sense? Okay. So what do you do right now? Let's pray. All right. So, Father, we just come into this place and we celebrate right now this beautiful building. But we know the beautiful building is only there to facilitate the vision of being kingdom-focused, of pursuing personal transformation, of living as a kingdom family, and bringing regional transformation. And so together as a group, we just surrender these plans to you and we ask, your will be done. We just call in the resources wherever they're at on the earth, Lord God. Right now, bring them in the financial resources, the people resources, God, the favor that's necessary with city government and the red tape, Lord, just cut straight through the red tape. And Lord God, that you would bring about what would have taken years you do in months. And we thank you for that, God, right now. I pray, Lord, your blessing on every person here, God. Would you just give them, would you let this vision be written on the tablet of their heart, God? Lord, would they just, I just ask right now, let us dream about what it means to focus on your kingdom. Lord, let this, like even the nightlife, be what personal transformation looks like and how do we bring that to others.
What does it mean to be a kingdom family, Lord God? What does it mean to bring regional transformation, God? We're coming into alignment with what you're doing right now. So just bless us now and bless everyone here. And we declare this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to receive the first fruits offering. I'm not taking a building offering. Let's just bring our first fruits offering before the Lord. So if you need an offering envelope, would you just go ahead and raise your hand? And one of our amazing ushers will come and bring it to you. If this is your first time here, just so you understand what we do is um, we've tried to be intentional where you can give all, all throughout the month, whether it's online or dropping in an offering box. But we want to receive the first fruits offering as a, an offering of worship together. This is kingdom family coming together saying we're bringing what we have before the Lord and, and expecting him to bless and multiply it. Amen. So I'll give him a chance to do that real quick. Oh, one more thing I forgot to tell you um, while, you're, while you're filling that out, and then we're going to pray over it. Um, we're in the process of planning now. Don't have the exact time or date. It'll be in May where we're going to do a celebration out at the land. Um, I've been looking into rent, rental of a tent, you know, uh, all this different stuff. So we'll take, we'll, we'll, it probably will be like a, a regular service out there. So we can celebrate together and then, then throw a barbecue. We're Texans, so we can barbecue you know, if somebody wants to bring tacos, they can bring tacos or, you know, wings, things like that. We're going to taste and see the Lord is good. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And so, uh, just be looking out for that when we go. Uh, May 21st is our 16th anniversary as a church. And so, uh, there may, it may be somewhere around that time frame. Just kind of letting you guys know right now. So, if you're ready, why don't you go and stand up with me. And even if you're not, stand up with me. That's kind of confusing instructions. I get it. If you give online, I want you to just lift up your phone, uh, or if you have your offering, lift it up in your right hand right now. We're just going to pray a blessing over it. So, Father, we, we thank you, God, that you, because we seek first your kingdom, all these things are added. I thank you, Lord God, that your provision for us financially, mentally, emotionally, relationally, Lord God, you bring all that provision, where we're going to live, what we're going to eat. Lord, you provide for that, Lord, because you love us and you care for us. I pray right now an expansion of looking at kingdom resources differently than we've ever thought before, God. That you're the conquering king, which means you have the conquering resources. And so I ask right now, take these resources in our hands and multiply it into the field of ministry, of the work of the ministry of your kingdom. And I pray right now it also would just multiply into the hands of the believers, Lord God, right now. That we can never outgive you. And so we thank you, God, that there's grace and multiplication that's coming in every area of our life because, Lord, we're trusting you with what is yours. And so we just declare this right now in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. So before you leave, if you want to drop it, we have offering boxes up here on the back. If you need prayer for anything whatsoever, we would love to pray with you. Other than that, find somebody, take them to lunch, go be a kingdom family and bring transformation, amen. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.